0: Hey, you're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Welcome back to the show team. My name's Amelia and today we have a very cool guest on the show. We have Dr. Taha who is a research fellow who really likes being in the lab doing cool stuff. And that involves a whole lot of different things, including electronics, chemistry, and a lot of material engineering. So we've got a bit of science, a bit of engineering. It's going to be a great chat. Welcome to the show, Dr. Taha. Ah,
1: thanks, Mia. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be here.
0: It's an absolute pleasure so far, starting with what may or may not be an easy question. What is your job?
1: Okay, I'm a research fellow. That's um, It's 2 a thing to a whole host of things. So my job is to do cutting edge research and publish things that other people have not published. My job is to be an expert in all that I do with the help with the people around me and kind of work well with others. That's one of the things I do for work, but you know, what I do is more than that because I also write fiction, I have a few scripts. I've been recently, I was awarded a grant to finish my first book of poetry. So that's very exciting for me. I have never been paid to say what I think. So this is really exciting. I'm really happy about that. I'm also an advocate for queer inclusion and the co-chair of Queers in Science, Victoria. So we do a lot of advocacy for queer people in STEM, Kind of making STEM less hostile towards queer and trans people and queer and trans people of colour, basically. Yeah, so that's generally what I do. I'm also part of the MCR's forums in the Science Academy. So again, that's uh, one of the things I do. It's a lot of things.
0: That sounds very busy.
1: Right, when you love it i know it sounds like a cliche but what drives me is i would not have my life any other way every aspect of my life is there because it represents a part of me whether it's writing whether it's like you know like doing like trying to do film whether it is advocacy it is all holistic from my point of view it all makes sense it might From afar, it might seem like it's a lot, but to me, like, yeah, I'm very, like, in love with the struggle and with having no time, and I love everything I do, truthfully.
0: That's fantastic to hear, and I do have to say congratulations on the poetry grant fund money. It's so rare to hear of anyone actually getting paid for doing poetry, so that's kind of already mind-blowing.
1: In academia, it's very hard to hear of someone getting paid, period. (laughs) Ah, There's that. That's a joke that I had to make because it's kind of true. A little bit true, a little bit not true, but like it is humor, satire, everyone who is hearing this and who thinks that everyone is getting paid. This is satire.
0: Would you like to talk a little bit? Obviously, you're welcome to talk about all these things because they're all awesome and obviously all really important. But did you want to talk a little bit about your research and what is it that you're at the cutting edge of?
1: Absolutely. I love, I love, I love, I love my recession. I don't get to talk to people who are not around me about it much. So what I do is I work with like uh, smart materials and engineer materials for a lot of purposes. But like my primary focus is to use those materials for what you call energy preservation. On average, like a a building would lose, would spend like about 60, minimum 60% of its entire like energy needs on climate control. That means that heating and cooling and all that kind of stuff. And uh, with worsening climate-like conditions, that percentage would grow and shrink. It's a very big problem how much energy we spend in terms of like what we consider wastage. If we're going to move into a more renewable like, um, situation, we need to put less strain on the electronic grid and we need to have less demand. And we can't have less demand if we are wasting all this energy for climate control so i have a material that passively kind of keeps the climate at a certain range so basically on a hot day the material changes itself entirely realigns itself and then it blocks all the heat radiation keeps it out and in the winter it keeps the heat in yeah so that's what i do but what i do specifically no one can do when i say no one i mean sometimes people say they can do it but between you and I what I do is it's quite unique in a way that I make it in a way that you can apply everything like at room temperature you don't because it's a very like the material existed like for a long time but like making it is the hard bit because making it is like it's very challenging it's not very repeatable and then though so my job is to lift all those restrictions and make it easy access for all who need to use it. Yeah, and that's what, what it does. And then, yeah, so that was kind of like a, the forefront of what I do. And then I can control what kind of temperature range it lets in and blocks as well. So again, like this is all like the fine tuning and stacking atoms quite literally until you get the right combination that serves the, fun, like, you know, the function that's needed. So that's my passion. My passion is using it for climate mitigation and for like sustainable purposes. I also care very deeply about the notion that it's a polymorph, which kind of like goes into my identity a little bit. So the material kind of like changes its nature. It kind of flips between being an insulator and being a metal, like between being a semiconductor and being a metal. So in a way, it is a queer material that changes identity depending on the conditions. Because I too, sometimes, some seasons I look more femme, some seasons I look more masked. I'm not. I I kid you not. This is one of the reasons why I love what I do. Because like there's just this like analogous connection I have with what I do that I view myself as like a polymorph kind of thing. As like I morph between like seasons, I morph between identities and that kind of stuff. So the materials I work with do the same thing so they morph between phases they change between blocking heat and letting heat in depending on the conditions and depending on the environment and where we want to do it so that's in short if you want me to blab more i can blab more but like i've been told to like you know being concise is never a bad thing
0: it's a skill Honestly, it sounds like you're describing something from Star Trek, like... You know what?
1: That is the hard sell. It sounds like magic. It's science, yo. When i are talking to people like uh, outside, like my sphere of like my peers here in Melbourne, it sounds like magic. And it makes conversation, say with industry, a little bit harder because when you describe it, it sounds like you're describing this unicorn thing. When I would be like, no, I, like, I work really hard on this. Unicorns don't just occur. You have to go hunting for a unicorn. And then you have to find it and you have to like, you know, I don't know, take a picture. If I see you're going I will definitely take a picture. So yeah, it's not magic. It's 100% true. And I keep discovering like new properties and that kind of stuff. But again, I'm like, because I'm early career. So I'm now at the stage of I'm doing all these cool things. And hopefully next year, at least a publication. That's the goal I set for myself and for everyone around me. Hopefully they don't get stressed out because they're not going to hear this until some of those papers are already in the pipe. In the so I'm going to be like, I foreshadows this.
0: I'm going to hold you to that. There's going to be a paper and we're going to celebrate it because it's going to be amazing. And then it's going to move so far out of the realm of magic and into just like not science fiction, people.
1: We have not been, you know what? Because the material exists for a while, so like, but well, materials exist for a while, but we have never been this close to like actually use it in a meaningful and substantial way. And my hope is once it's all out, like that, it will kind of like enable like a nice transition. Because you know what you can do with it as well is you don't need to like have a new building. So basically, you can just retrofit it to existing structures. So if you have like an old leaky thing in terms of energy, if you not fix it completely, you can have an interim solution that would make it not the worst thing in the universe that is just hemorrhaging energy and actually costing us more money to like, you know, to actually keep like alive than to just like get rid of it. I think, yeah, that's the sell. Done.
0: Look, I'm sold. I do have two concerns, I guess, about it. One is how much energy and resources, etc., does it actually take to make this material? Because that's often like one of the question marks around green. I'm going to classify this as the broad green thing. Like there's a huge amount of embodied energy. There's like rare earth minerals, that sort of stuff. Like is this something that's too good to be true or?
1: Not the way I do? as a like it is a semiconductor and semiconductors aren't hardly like uh not expensive but like they are finite but the amount you need for to produce the functional part of like the work is not much because you only need like nanometers of it like as I like you don't need a lot of it to have some kind of impact and then the impact kind of increases by how much you need it because that's part of the like the solution isn't that we just like overdo it you know what i mean like you apply it when necessary with the amount and this is kind of like the engineering aspect of it where you Have to kind of take in the numbers, do your calculation, do the mathematics, see how much you need to save, and that kind of stuff. In terms of like uh, energy in making it, in the past, one of the greatest challenges, you need so much more resources, and you need like special substrates, you need really special conditions to to make it. But again, my goal was to make it accessible and easily doable. Okay, not easily, like doable with some challenges. But overall, the net energy used, I don't think in comparison to the status quo or like the past, I don't think it's the same. Like, and that again, and that's what makes the work special is like you take something that is entirely beyond reach, unusable for a lot of people, and then you make it usable for everyone. And then by bringing it here, by bringing it closer to researchers and bringing it closer to people, then we can put it more in like rapid optimization. Because, you know what I mean, it's very hard to optimize something that you cannot like bring into life. Once you bring it to life quite easily, then you can have the optimization process of like, do we need to kind of investigate like the energy use? Because this is where you, you have different sizes coming in. Because you do need to kind of measure like the waste and then you do need to measure how much, what's the temperature, what's the golden temperature we want this to happen? How is it going to work in this season? How is it going to work in this other season? Do we need one layer? Do we need two different layers kind of thing? But again, like that fine engineering part, I think is fun. And hopefully when I get like a cool, passionate student, they're going to like a, have a blast doing it. No, because it's not a rabbit hole. I leave rabbit holes for me because I would never send a poor student down a rabbit hole. I would gladly down a rabbit hole because I've been around rabbit holes before. I know the way in. I know how to get out. But like someone starting a PhD, for example, it's very hard. It's very hard to get out of a rabbit hole. You need like more resources sorted. So, yeah, what's the other question? That was question one.
0: I guess the other concern was just pure cost. Like, it sounds quite awesome and cutting edge and all, all these things, so but those cheap. things, you didn't just say that.
1: No, no, really? I like, like, no, no, I'm not even joking. I keep telling people, like, it's just because I spent so much time thinking about things being functional and useful. Because I love fundamental research and I love the idea of higher learning and discovering things. But I also want everything we do in the lab to be accessible to everyone. I don't believe anything is too hard to explain or comprehend. I think it's a failure in understanding because people who understand something can explain it to anyone. I genuinely believe that if you can't explain your research to anyone on the street, you don't understand your own research. Like there's no psychom course that is going to help you understand your own work. You need to understand your own work. Like do not repeat what everyone in your field is saying. This is going to sound so mean, but I'm going to say it because I don't care. Only boring people do boring science. You need to work in yourself. You need to stop. You need to look inside and think, why have I not had a great idea in a while? Not because you're not intelligent. Everyone has a level of intelligence that I respect. However, when you have stopped evolving, when you have stopped learning, when you think of yourself as a finished product, you'll be like, you know, this is a problem sometimes. You see, like, you know, academics, you see people who are like, you'll be like, I have achieved enlightenment. I have no, no further need for education. And then uh, they stop having ideas. And I'm like, you not having original ideas is your I'm doing. Stop being so boring. Go read, read fiction. I always recommend people to read fiction because you need a break. You need to expand your horizon. Need science, read science fiction. Read the impossible. And then the more you read everything that sounds improbable, impossible, you can find your way there because uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm not going to ramble about like doing impossible things. I just think that at least you can move the, the post a little bit closer to the quote. I'm doing air quotes to the listeners. Impossible.
0: I love the way, in case you're wondering, listeners, I brought Dr. Taha on the show because I was hoping for some spicy things and we're already getting the spicy things and that's fantastic. So (laughs) high value so far. I love the way you took how much, like, is it expensive and then brought it back to what good Saicom is. And I totally agree. If you can't explain it to everyone, you probably don't know what you're talking about. You mentioned that this material, which I'm assuming we're not naming, like, is it a secret? No, no, it's not.
1: No, it's not a secret. It's some variation of vanadium dioxide. It's not that particularly, but it's some variation of it because it's a property to like a class of materials. So like it's not just vanadium oxide, just like a whole bunch of them. And my job is to just like engineer them. The material existed, again, like my work is to just like not to take it from this exists to this is something we can all do now.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. It's also a word I'm not going to try and say. But you mentioned it's a, of a polymorphic, it moves and changes, which again, is that very sort of Star Trek vibes, but nope, it's real hardcore science. Do you think that like you perceiving the world from like a more fluid, like state of being, do you think that then sort of like was a good basis for you to then like identify with this material and see its possibilities as well? Whereas for, for example, your classic straight white male may not have had that flexibility of thought.
1: I will speak to my experience because I think I have never busied myself with what uh, straight white men think and how they think. I wish they had enough conversations with me for me to understand them. My door is open. I want to make friends. We can have lunch. You're paying because I'm minority. You're paying. Again, like, I'm just going to bring back like, diversity and how I see the world. I'm in a perpetual state of dissatisfaction with status quo and how things are. So I don't take anything for granted. Nothing I do or anyone does is ever complete. And just because this is the way everyone before me made a material or like did research does not follow that that's how I would do it or how I should do it. Whenever I'm faced with a challenge in science, in STEM or in life, I would lean into my ideals and how I want the world to be. And then reverse engineer that to where I am. And then I oftentimes find a way. I think when you have experienced challenge and strife in your life, you have this malleable flexibility to think about the world because I don't think where I am in this world, it's not a birthright. Is something that I pulled and etched from stone and whatever I have handy. It's something that I clawed at. Like, I didn't have all the instruments when I started. You know what I mean? I didn't have all the knowledge. I didn't know, like, who's helping me and who's not helping me. You know what I mean? Like, all these things come over time. And so when I think about a problem, my assumption is I'm going to win and I'm going to figure it out. I just need enough time to read and think about it. You know, I mean, this is why there's no collaboration. And whenever I have a collaboration with someone in an adjacent field, I always set up a time that would give me like ample time to read up on what they're doing and the research and their field, just so I have literacy. So when we have a chat, we hit the ground running and I get those firecrackers I get in my head when I talk to people about science. And then you get ideas. I love, one of my favorite questions in the world is when someone says, have you tried this? Or like, did you know this? And uh, because that always makes me think in a way that I'm not thinking, you know, what I mean, like, I don't think if someone corrects me, if someone tells me to do something a little bit better, I don't think that is a critique of my character. It's like, you know, it doesn't, my vision of myself is not going to change over a conversation I have with an individual. That's just like, you know, what I mean, if, if your entire personality is dismantled, because someone gave you feedback, then there wasn't much to begin with. Again, but again, there is always way to critique, and there's always way to speak to each other. And I don't. If someone is rude to me, no matter what, I have no respect for any ranks. Respect is one of those things that you earn from me. If I respect you, I don't respect you because you pull rank or because of your title. Titles mean nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. I actually don't care. Like people sometimes, for I have like um. Oftentimes, I do make enemies, and they have their own support groups. I just don't care about titles. I think respect is one of those things that I admire you and I respect you because you've shown a strength of value and character that would, in my books, make you like a fantastic person that I look up to. That's the only reason. So that's why, like, when I, at the start, when I said, like, I'm Marisa if that matters to anyone because, like, it, honestly, I don't care that much about this stuff. I only care about the fundamental fact of doing cool stuff in the lab. That is the truth. That's what I want to do. That is what I will continue to do. Did I ask the question? I feel like I didn't. Did I?
0: I'm not sure. I've forgotten what the question was. The rant was great. And I think what, like, titles are hit and miss, right? But the value of the title research fellow is that that does give you the key to the lab.
1: Yeah. And also, a doctor is gender neutral. That's why I have a doctor. Because when you say a doctor, people don't make assumptions. You'd be like, oh, just go be a doctor. Like, if you can avoid pronouns altogether, I'm okay. This is one of the great things, yeah, about the uh, title. Again, well, like, uh, and to be honest, I wanted to have a doctorate since I was like nine years old. So like, this is all part of the plan. I'm following the original plan. I had a list of all the things I wanted to be as a child. I wrote them down and I think mini me, child me would be so happy if they knew they'd be incredibly happy. And maybe everything that happened back then would have just kind of like a, seemed like a practice or like, you know, prepping for like a some future. Back again, that's the way life works. You don't have, you have hindsight, you don't have foresight, you know, you just, uh, you were like, ah, oh, if only, but like, it's fine. I remembered your question from before. You are talking about the way I think, how it's different to like i white men. And it is very different because boring people do boring science. If you're fun, you do fun science.
0: And the fun stuff happens at the intersections. Like it's where you get two fields and you smash them together and you get new ideas out of it. And that's, that's where the cool things are. We'll try and go back to the script a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Go back. No, because like, you know, you have free reign. You can cut whatever you would like to cut. I'm happy to answer things the way I see them.
0: It wouldn't be authentic if I cut all the good stuff out. What does an average day at work look like for you?
1: I wake up on the dot at 5 a.m. So 5 a.m., I'm awake. My brain just does that for me. I don't even have an alarm. I have not set an alarm for like a good 10 years. So I wake up at 5 a.m. I don't have coffee. I don't like to have coffee straight up when I wake up just because I feel there's a natural rhythm to the body and like you're already on a high when you wake up. At least I wake up. I'm the kind of person who showers before going to bed, not before, when they leave the house, because uh, like my hair, like I have a fro, and when it's wet, it kind of shrinks. I don't like it when it's not dry. Like I don't like it when I don't have my fro, because I kind of like it. Actually, that is the only reason. I'm not sure if there's a scientific fact to that. Or anything. I leave the house, I always like to get into the office nice and early. I get into the office, I do admin before like 8am, just because I can't say that I love it. <laughs> But you have to do it. And then that way I get it like a head start on the day. But then I already know. But like, it's one of those things that I have a working document with all the experiments that I'm planning to do. That document is I can access on my phone. I can access it anywhere. And then I can just like, if I notice something happened one day, I will make a note immediately because I never want to be in a position where I'll be like, oh, when something works or doesn't work and I don't know why. Because if you don't know why, you can't fix something that you don't at least partially understand. Yeah, so I, I've already had my, my planned experiments, I have all my, uh, my bookings booked, I have everything done, and then I try not to put, like, set foot in the lab for none a.m. Just because, like, I think the only reason I do it is because it really frightens people when they arrive to the lab and then they see someone already there. I think it's a little bit scary for them. And that is the only reason why I don't go before nine, just because like, I don't want to frighten people. People are waking up, minding their own business, trying to live a good life and then fright, 9am. It really ruins your day. So I start at 9am in the lab. I do all the things that take the longest, uh, all the experiment that takes the longest. I do them nice and early in the day. And then I set it up, I do everything. And then I go for a coffee around like 10ish, 10.30. I go for my first coffee. I have, depending on the day, either a long black or on a hot day, I have ice and double espresso because I like how I don't, I would never have an ice long black because it's just watered down garbage. You do need that strong coffee to melt the ice and then you have like that sweet texture. And then I get back once I've had my coffee and I did my uh, like half hour of reading, which is always the only thing that I read every day is fiction. Papers, I read when necessary, like I read like at the end of the week or like when I have an idea that I want to check and do a peer review, that's when I read like papers. But like fiction, I read every single day without a fail, whether it's poetry, whether it's like, you know, all this stuff, like I need to do stuff that is not purely what I do. Yeah, so I do that during my coffee and then I get back to the lab. I do some more experiments. I jump into like I'm I'm always moving between like so many buildings, so many labs. So whenever someone sees me on campus, I'm almost running. I'm not running. I'm just like, I walk really fast when I'm doing science. But if I'm walking on the street, I deck my sweet type. Like if I'm walking in a park, it's very leisurely. It's kind of annoying because you kind of have to walk around me. Like you would never have to walk around me at university because I am literally walking really fast. And like sometimes people would like miss me coming in and leaving, which is kind of nice because I have so many hiding spots on campus. I have my office, but I also have secret offices where I do some work that requires peace and quiet. And I have like three bathrooms that I can go to just because they're clean. I don't t- I'm not going to tell anyone where they are. They're clean, they're well cared for, and I have a door. I love me a good door. Doors are so great. So I do that up to like at 3, like 4 p.m. I finish all my experiments and then I do one last thing before I leave and that also takes me an hour. So like at 4 p.m., I finished everything I was supposed to do or like on the list and then I always, at the end of the day, i am like, I'm gonna do one more experiment. That one more experiment throws the entire thing out of the window and it takes an hour. It's never a quick thing. I know it's not a quick thing, but I'm like, I am so easily tempted. I have no willpower when it comes to size. So I do that one last thing. And then it depends on the day. If like after five, like uh, I have one of three things. Either if it's any normal weekday, I would have like either, cause I, in the evenings I teach spin class at the gym here. So that's, like, one of the cool things I do because, like, I just love it. I love, I get a microphone, I share the people, we spend together, it's a lot of fun. Or if I have all my different committees, whether it's and science, forum meetings and all that kind of stuff, I would try and and schedule them, like, later. Or if it's Thursday or Saturday, depends on the mood, I would go somewhere and have a drink, do some writing, like, do, like, I have, like, my little notebook. And I always like to write by hand just because it gives me that distance. Because like if I look at a screen or day, you know, what I mean, like it's just like it's too bright. So when I do writing, I always do it by hand. And then if I think it's worthy going into the typewriter that is my laptop, that's a different expedition because then I get like I get to edit it. Yeah. And then um, I have dinner. That's actually one of the worst thing I do is I don't eat very much during the day. But then when I get home, I just like cook a stock. I bake, or like do something cool, and I have the three ingredients in all good foods. Carbs, a lot of vegetables, and a protein sauce or two, just because it's nice to have variety. I eat so much, and then I get really sleepy. And then I go to bed around, like I would say, and no, no, I would watch one episode of The Great British Bake Off, because that show is amazing, and it's timeless, it's fantastic stuff. And then yeah, I'll be in bed by like, I think like 9.30, 10. And then hopefully I fall asleep and not get any ideas before I close my eyes because then it's a very sleepless night. because I'm gonna wake up at 5 a.m. anyway the next day. It's just like, I hope to have a quiet mind when I put my head on the pillow. That doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. I'm gonna have a really good sleep. It's a very long day, it sounds like a long day, but like once you get in the rhythm of it, it's like running. Like, you know, running is so hard when you start, but then once you hit the first 2K, the rest is kind of like nice, your body's warm, you're into it, you're like playing some smooth jams, and then, yeah, you finish the rest or the long run.
0: That was an incredibly detailed description of a day that was quite amazing. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: It's part of how my brain works because, like, I'm on the spectrum a lot, so, like, it's really beneficial patterns and detail. It helps anchor, anchor me in a way. So like having a plan, like it never restricts me, but it just acts like a tether. So it tethers me to like kind of the reality because again, life is so hard and, then, and sometimes people are so mean and like everything, like, you know, in academia things are always like kind of a struggle. So, but like, it's nice to have like a plan. The plan will go wrong 10 times, but then you have the backbone of your life and you try and maintain that backbone. And again, this is one of those things that is not really a secret, but like you would only like only have a conflict with you if you threaten the basic things that I need. You know, what I mean, like that is the only time I start to push, you know, what I mean, anything else. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very flexible person with a lot of things. But like the second you become an immediate threat to all the things that I hold dear or value, which is doing cool stuff in the lab, advocating for queer people, being myself, dressing how I'd like to dress, all that kind of stuff all the things that people think is like frivolous or like vain or like sometimes people think it's stubborn to want to be in academia in such a, like a troubled time but I'm like no you don't you don't understand the drive and you don't understand how important this is to me and to many people you think it's something that is negotiable because it's not as important to you and I think this is part of the empathy sometimes we lack as like people just cannot see, we don't meet each other. We don't, sometimes with we'll stop. They can't understand each other as human beings. They think that you're chasing a title or you're chasing something. And I'd be like, if you think that I'm chasing a title or like you have like not only misunderstood everything and you have not had a single word, I, would, I had a single word I continued to say, which is kind of a reflection on your like listening. It's a little tangent, but like, it is very important because, like, you know, it's not like sometimes even like patterns are very important to me. I think people sometimes don't understand that it can be beneficial for everyone. You don't have to be effective to like have patterns, but patterns, like having anchors, having things that matter to you is never a bad thing as long as like things that matter to you are not like being evil and vile because sometimes, like, no shade, but like, you know, it happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. We'll skip over those ones. But I think one of the other things that can come out of patterns and having that daily rhythm is that it frees other bits of your brain up for that creativity. So if you have that, these decisions are already made, this consistency is already there, then your brain can sort of like wander and come up with ideas. And I think it, just because you do something the same way every day doesn't mean that you won't come up cool new ideas. Sometimes I even run into the
1: same poll on the way home. There's this bar on the way home. I never see it. I'm not even joking. I hate that, port. Like, I run straight into it more often than not. And like, lucky is I get home a bit late. So like, it's embarrassing for me, but like no one's around to laugh at me or like even worse, try and help me up. <laughs> because if you laugh at me, I'll be like, you know what, you understand humour, but if you're trying to help me, that's pity. I don't want you pity. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> I think you can do both. You can do both.
1: Yeah, you can do both. It's okay to ask for help. I'm trying. I honestly, it's one of the hardest things. I know maybe this is for someone who needs to hear or someone doesn't need to hear it. But like asking for help, it is so difficult when you're a queer person of color, when you're a minority, because oftentimes people don't care about your well-being and it's not a reflection on that. Well, it is a reflection on that character. No, because they never have to. When people have not seen someone like you for a long time, they don't know how to help you sometimes, even if they want to do. So like it's incredibly hard to ask for help and I'm trying my best. It's still something that I don't know how to do. Asking for help is so difficult. Like, how can you have a trust? Because asking for help means that I trust you. When I say, like, help me up, I know, like, a simplistic example, but it's one of those things. If I say help me up, I trust you not to push me down as a joke. If I say, like, make me a cup of tea or like that kind of thing, I trust you to make good tea. You know what I mean? But like, if I think you're going to poison me, I'm not going to ask you to make a cup of tea you know what I mean? it's one of those things like asking for help sometimes it's overdone but like i think if i there are very few people that i can ask for help because there are very few people that i can like have that level of trust with and again it's one of those things that you need to work at so asking for help is great everyone should do it more ask for help please
0: and i'm hoping listeners got that one it's hard to ask for help but it's an important skill to develop in whatever field or life you are living I'm curious, how have you ended up in this job with these interests, like in working on this fascinating material? Like what was your path from writing that list to where you are now?
1: I to your surprise, I really didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Also, in our family, we we're very professional people. We were like all about the reports. We didn't ask personal questions. So, as long as I did well in school, I evaded all scrutiny, which kind of freed me up to kind of be as square as a tangerine. Because when you're excellent in school, honestly, like, I don't know how. Like, some, when I came out, people just like were surprised. I were like, were you? you? Have you been looking at me? But then, you know, people don't look at you when you get good grades.
0: There's a useful little side note, kids.
1: Kids get good grades, be as square as a tangerine. Do people still say that? Or is that an old thing that people say?
0: Honestly, I have no idea what you're referencing there.
1: Oh, okay. I heard it somewhere. Or maybe I didn't.
0: I've never thought of Tangerines as having any gender or sexuality, but they could. I, I don't know. I haven't never spoken to one.
1: I'm sure someone in the comments section would enlighten us both. I hope that this is an education for us both. No, so I think I loved, because I didn't have a lot of friends, I spent so much time like head in science books because people didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then science had this logic and had this sequence of events that if you do the right thing and if you follow the process and if you kind of like investigate reinvestigate you can understand something so it was this is like moment of like I can do this quite well and I was always fascinated by like physics and chemistry in general and how the universe is put together so I appreciated the finesse of like the world around me because I spent so much time reading and looking at things, not necessarily, if you consider looking and thinking about interaction, let's say interactive, but like I didn't have any kind of like real tangible connection to people and the world around me, like growing up. So there's where like the kind of the materials aspect come in because the entire world is made out of these things, you know, these little atoms. And then part of it is like if you stack atoms a certain way, they do a certain thing. If you change the stack, it does that thing. If you replace two elements, it does this thing. So it's just like this, like kind of expansive toolkit of like things that can be beneficial for the world. Sometimes things that can be to the detriment to the world. Understanding it not in terms of ownership. I don't like like you don't own science. You don't own thinking like when you understand something it gives me a certain level of like humility and a desire to understand more so that was that's how i got from my list to like wanting to do science because i genuinely i all i want to do is learn i am never done learning and i hope that all the people close to me will hold me accountable and always remind me that no matter how like muddy how like noise how loud the noise can get sometimes what i'm doing is i'm learning i'm trying to do this thing and the polymorph thing is just because like so curious how like things can change and how that change that kind of change we're okay with but then other kind of change in life we're not okay with so it's one of those things that like it is amazing to me how scientists can understand such complex things but then when it comes to like welcoming other people they close themselves up to all that is different and interesting. And then they forget that like science is different and interesting. All the newness in the world is different and interesting. I like whenever I get ideas when I have music concepts, like I don't consider myself like someone who's, I don't believe in the metrics of intelligence because I think they're quite damaging and really, they really stop it from trying and really like throwing themselves completely and utterly into something. If you throw yourself into something, you will solve it. You will, you will at least move the, the post. You will at least make a dent. And to me, that is like, that's a life worth living. So, but like the reason why I get ideas everywhere I go when I talk to people is because I am, despite my disagreement with most people, I really want to know the world. And I really want to know people more deeply than I do. I have a much better relationship with science than I do with people. Again, it's a work in progress. Like I, I must say that I am more social now than I was when I was 10 years old. <laughs> but it's something that I had to work at because like, honestly, my default is a book in my hand. And sometimes when I go real quiet, there's like my heart rate drops. I think 38 is because of all the cycling I do. But like, And I feel I have like this few seconds of peace before my body freaks out because I'm breathing so like my heart rate is because you know, your body does this thing where kind of like you jolt your body in a like high heart rate, like nothing bad is going to happen, it's fine. But like, there's this like moment of peace when you are just by yourself. Did I ask that a question? So that's the connection from like the list to what I do. When it comes to all the other things that I do, like the creativity and the diversity, when it comes to creativity, I have always seen the world differently. I'm a, I consider myself someone who observes the world, not as I want it to be because I don't want anything from people maybe. But like I see things as they are, to the best of my knowledge. So I have like this unique perspective that is informed by my mental. Like I don't think of it as like a disability because like I think the way my brain works has always given me an edge over or around me. It made me harder to understand my family and friends, but I think it made me a kinder person because when I see something that is challenging, I will stay at it until I fix it. If I think something is not just, I would not let it go. If you think I would look the other way, if someone is doing something wrong, or someone is being like cruel, or if someone is trying to bully someone, again, like you have not been paying attention, you have not had a word I said, I would not let it go, you would not see that like the best way to like, kind of prevent that is to again, the core values, stay clear of those core values, don't bully people, don't be mean, be nice and leave people alone you'll we'll work along just fine. Or at least we do that nod people do at each other when they see each other down the street. They be like, so I really think that the encouraging difference between us, people not being like me, has never like prevented me from liking people or like having a conversation with people. If anything, I love it. Like meeting someone who is like have a complete different setup and brain, the way they think, their priorities, what they hold dear. That's a conversation I love having with people. Not sometimes, not like it's very hard to have during a week, but whenever I have like some time where like I'm invited mistaking me to a party where, <laughs> where like I have to turn up and then the people trust me. No, no, I have fun, I have fun. I miss dancing. I'm excited to kind of everything to open up. I become less anxious about the timing outside. I don't think it's a direct line from like nine to science, but I think the line is there. You just need to like connect the dots.
0: Yeah. That was a beautiful, wide-ranging discussion. There was a lot in there. But what I was going to ask you is what did you do at university?
1: Uh, What did I do at university? Uh, So I did electrical engineering to begin with, and then um, it was electronics, so I did more electronics work, Uh, and then my PhD was more in like uh, functional materials and electronics. So it's all kind of like in the electronics path. But, like, since I, like, complete, I've done more physics, chemical engineering, and all that kind of stuff, Than because, again, once you kind of reach a point in education, all these fields kind of merge, and then you you stop seeing the kind of the boundaries of electronics and the boundaries of materials. So that's, like, my education is electrical and electronics engineering, the OG. I didn't do physics for one reason. I was going to do physics, but I didn't do physics for one reason. I did a few subjects. I didn't like the vibe it was just like everyone was a little bit like at least the people like i met there they were were a little bit meaner than like i could handle at the time i was like i can read physics in my own time (laughs) i was like i don't need to do physics this is not an environment for me but engineering was fun i think i know i had fun fun. Uh, although i spent most of my undergrad there's a bar on campus a japanese bar hang out all my with my, arts, with my arts friends, the people who are doing media and literature. So we do our homework together. They're, doing, they're stressing about 2,000-word essay and I'm doing my own work and we're just like uh, having a little trick, having some bento boxes, living the good life and then uh, we'll go dancing. Oh, I'm pretty, okay, I'm hoping that answers the question because like I, it's how I see the world. I see the world through stories, not discreteness. and I think also, this kind of applies to science. Science is a nice story that makes sense and you have data.
0: And that's going to make it so much easier to communicate rather than just, here's a statistic. It's like, the statistic fits into this story as part of a package.
1: And I think that's the job of a scientist. The, science, the job of a scientist is almost like seeing patterns that, are, that exist across a bunch of sets of data because you cannot derive a fact from one set of data. This is why we do all this characterization. Well, that's why we use all these methods because just, anyone can put something in a machine and press play. But I think what the scientist does is, or like an engineer does, they look at something that with even with obvious or not so obvious pattern or connections, and then they have an idea, and then they do more experiments to see if that idea is true. And then they do more and more experiments until they, they reach the inconclusive truth that we don't know anything completely, but this is a pretty damn good guess. And anyone who in science who says this is the truth, I'd be like, you have missed the first class in science. Whatever you found is not the truth. It's a pretty damn good guess if you have good data. It's a very risky guess. Don't guess in your conclusions, y'all. I swear to God, if I read one more paper with guessing in the conclusion, They were like, I don't care. I don't care for your guessing. Don't start with things that we believe. No one cares what you believe. This is not. I'm happy to read what you believe in the form of literature. If I see one more paper with like, we believe, I'm going to see like, you really shouldn't. (laughs) So, So it sounds mean, but it's not true. I don't understand when did everyone get so literary in scientific papers. Even I don't do that. And I'm like, I'm pretty dramatic in my language
0: <laughs> clearly you need to start uh, <laughs> reviewing papers
1: i do i do oh my god i like and sometimes like people try and hide data sets i'll be like no do the full range i know what you're trying to hide you sneaky sneaky phd i know where you're up to i see you you can't you can't sneak it it's okay to not have the data completely fit your hypothesis it just needs to fit closely enough. And then you need to explain why this variation occurs or even try to explain. The idea is that you need perfect data and you need absolute truth. Is not only really a hindrance to scientific investigation, it leads to falsehood in scientific reporting.
0: You can see how that could arise though. Like,
1: Yeah, it's a pressure. Again, the pressure to, over, like, to overperform, the pressure, the fight for the jobs, the fight to be everything, to be perfect, even though it becomes more of like, Selling snake oil uh, sometimes, and I'd be like, enough with the snake oil. I think we kind of concluded for a while now that snake oil does not work. So, if anyone gives you snake oil, you be like, I have no need for your snakes or for your oils, unless you're a biologist. Then I guess you like snakes. I don't like snakes. They're That's mess, their own problem.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no,
1: no.
0: Uh, special people for that. Have you got any advice that you would like to give to young people? or even like if you could give advice to your young self.
1: My, okay, that was the one thing. Can I share something with you? Lately, people have been telling me that academia is too hard and uh, they've been encouraged me to seek other options. Uh, this is one thing, and it's, I'm going to bring the second thing that I also want to talk about. When people talk about diversity as like we just need, as in like STEM would be better if we all had just like more diverse opinions. I want everyone to really find the hill that are willing to die on. Find what you love at all costs. That is your job as a human being, is to find what sets, sets your heart on fire, what sets your brain on fire. This is the only thing that is worth doing. And if that thing is STEM, no one has business telling you what you can and can't do. People who do not tell you how to do or overcome, they do not have your interest at heart. I don't care about what I can't do. Tell me how I can do what I want to do. You know what I mean? Give me advice on the best way to do what I have set out to achieve. I don't need you to tell, make me doubt myself because we already all do that. You know what I mean? That's one of the things I'm like, don't listen to people who don't offer you solutions. They only offer you obstacles because that's already something that we do to, to ourselves. So I'm not going to, Get some external person telling me that I can't do something because I had that thought like maybe like, I don't know, five years ago for a moment and then it went away. If you want to fight with me or Matt, fight with me five years ago. Get a time machine and go back there. The other thing is diversity is important. Yes, and we do need diverse opinions, but that's not why. Uh, that's, the only, that's not the only reasons we need diversity. I want people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, all, all identities to dream and uh, even be mediocre as something. Why is it that only diverse people, why is it for example that women have to, like and queer people, why do we have to be so much better than every single person who applies and walks the earth for us to have the same thing that people with, I'm saying, I'm being really generous, who are really mediocre get for free. Why is it that we can't allow room For people from different, like with different abilities, to kind of be whatever level of excellence they want to be. Why do people? Some people get to dream and achieve their dreams, and some people don't. Just you know what I mean? Like so, like the more argument for me of diverse is everyone should dream and everyone should have a path forward. Does that sound like advice? Also, I do actually. I do have advice. Learn, teach yourself how to fill your cup. You have to find something that you do uh, that would like replenish you even a little bit, even at the worst of times. For me, it's my writing. For me, it's like the little drink that I have when I write. All these small things, you don't, I haven't had a holiday in years, but I I can keep going because I have such an array of small things I do that are just for me and some things that I share with the people dear to me and some things that like, you know, I share with the people who are not dear to me, you know, like hang out with randos. Do people still say randos? I think that's a 10 years, I don't think that's cool anymore. I don't think.
0: I think we're showing our age. But...
1: Yeah, but like, I think... <laughs> yes. No, but like, you know what I mean? Like I think people sometimes like, and I think especially young people and or PhD students, they I get so caught up in results and they don't know how to refill their cup. And then when they need it most, they crash and burn because they'll be like, you have kept this cup empty for like, say, three and a half years. And now in a real stress you're, you're trying to write your thesis. You don't even know how to fill your cup. So not only like, you know what I mean? Like you need to have figured this out, like maybe in your first year, how am I going to recharge with my current workload? What am I going to do to kind of like feel a little bit of renewal? Sometimes, for example, I walk from the bus stop. I don't take public transport just because like, I like to like make that distance between Point A and point B. Sometimes I wouldn't hold meetings in the same building. I would hold different meetings in different buildings because I want to walk. I want to go from this building to this building. And in that walk, I'm going to take my sweet time. And if I'm three minutes late, it's okay. No, this time I was actually rushing because it was raining. So I didn't like have a little walk here. Yeah, but I I really hope that's really useful. Yeah, because and be nice to yourself with and like hold yourself accountable at the same time. I don't like this blanket, be nice to yourself. Like this like empty self, like, I don't want to use the word positivity, but like sometimes people like become indulgent in that positivity. I'm like, no, you need to hold yourself true. Not to me, not to someone else. Don't compare yourself to anyone, to your core values. If you don't have core values, why not? Where have you been? You're a grown-up. Find your core values. Decide what you stand for. You don't have to decide, but you know what I mean? Like at least start the journey. You need to have stuff that is important to you that is not a title stuff that is not the respect of your peers anyway because if you respect yourself you know people respect you in the words of RuPaul, if you don't love yourself nobody's gonna love you <laughs> i think i rambled enough i think so okay that's that's plenty of advice freaking truth
0: that was so many advices we'll have to put each one of them on a card but i think being able to fill your own cup and that for anyone who's listening who isn't aware like the idea is that we regularly pour out of our cup and we lose like energy and all that sort of stuff and you need to be able to refill it otherwise you're trying to pour from an empty cup and that's not gonna do anything so i think finding the little things that you can recharge rather than having to go to bali for a big holiday it's all those little things that add up
1: also having friends to gab with like i have a few friends that i call and gab for an hour just like talk about random should I, like Moan about things and people, like you know, like you're not trying to solve anything. Like you know, it's a, it's not, like a, not, not all conversations with people you have to like fix it for you. But you just want to like have a little bit of a moan. You to like you're like, oh my god, I feel so sorry for myself. It's okay, just do it once. Like you know, this is the kind of, this is the kind of indulgence that I accept as long as it's not like all you do. But like, it is completely having a community and having people and having like mentors that you don't, for example, answer to mentors that you can talk to truthfully and openly and you can trust it is irreplaceable you, everyone everyone needs like someone and everyone needs to gab a little bit everyone you don't try and be perfect because when you're trying to be perfect you're going to burn yourself and everyone around you just try and try and be a good person but don't try and be perfect it's a, a false error is the word and we are not fools. we are not fools, Amelia. there is not a part for false We will not suffer fools.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We will not suffer fools. And I will try and not hold myself to the ridiculous standards that I've been known to hold myself to. It's important not just to, I guess, ask people for advice, but it's also actually important to listen to their advice and try and take it on yourself.
1: My grandmother used to say, so you have to ease and one mouth.
0: Your grandmother was wise. Is there anything else we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to share?
1: One last thing. I'm not sure if it's on brand or if it's not on brand. I really think everyone should be looking after queer people and people of colour and queer young people who don't go into STEM because it is still quite hostile. People feel that they need to change themselves to like just have a basic life. It's a, thing. it's a morally right thing to do. And it's not about virtue signaling. I don't care about like rainbow flags. Those rainbow flags are meaningful to a degree, but then at the end of the day, a welcoming environment and having queer people, being able to like, again, like dream and be. People keep saying stuff like you can't be what you can't see. Well, I have not seen anyone like me. Does that mean that I can't like move? I can't be what? No, you can be everything you want to dream. Even if you don't see it, dream it. Make it happen. And if you need help, again, ask for help. I just think we're getting into this area where people are like really like, not forgetting about queer people, but like, we think we're a lot further along than we are. And I'm always reminded by that because I surround myself with progressive people like who are really switched on about this stuff. And then every now and then I am faced with realities that kind of like uh, catch me off guard. And we need to meet each other. We need to listen to each other. And... We need to think of people as human beings, not as tools to use, not as ways to move us forward, not as anything. Yeah, and I just I just hope more, more people kind of support each other, not in a, in a I I gained something for you way, but I believe in your inherent right to dream and be and to live a good life. And you do, it doesn't have to be a family member. You don't need to have that conditional empathy. You don't need to have a daughter. You don't need to have a queer person in your immediate circle. You don't need this stuff. You need like imagination. Also educate yourself. It's your job as an adult to read. It's your job as an adult to not be a destructive force that destroys or that is not you just because you don't understand You don't understand something is a you problem, not a me problem. I try and understand you. I would sit down and have coffee with anyone who wants to explain something to me, what I won't have, and I will not have a second of it, if people denying me or my kin or other people the right to be. That's the one non-negotiable item. I don't need your understanding. I don't need your respect. I will have my rights, that kind of thing. And I will have the rights of the people. It sounds like a little bit elated, like kind of over the top, but it's the truth, and I just wish that kind of people had that, like, I will meet you and I will talk to you and then we will, we will find a win-win situation. If you can't think of a way where we both game, you just don't have an imagination and that's, that's a real shame. That's a shame for you. Oh, that got a little heavier in the end. I'm sorry. That uh, was, was a little bit heavier, but, like, it's part of how the brain works. You go up and down, up and down. Yeah. All right.
0: And podcasts like Life are not just highlight reels, so it's okay. But we, what we will do is we'll try and grow. That is very serious and obviously avid researchers. will do what we can to try and make things better. Love the use of the word we. It's just me, but that's okay. Obviously, all the listeners you can take that on board. And we're going to find the good things. So have you got a shout out for us? Have you got people who you think deserve virtual high fives for being awesome, doing awesome work, any of that sort of thing? Virtual high fives.
1: Virtual high fives.
0: This one Um, stumps everybody.
1: It really stumps. No, no, because like there's so many people like, I'm not sure like how. I would like to give virtual high fives to all the people who support me behind my back. I see you. I know what you're doing. And I respect you deeply. And one day I will thank you in person. There are a few people who I know like that and they would not tell me, but like I know the good work they do. are the people like because those are the people you need you know the people who are not in it for thank yous the people who are in it because it's the right thing to do i would like to thank my mother because she taught me how to always inquire she always bought me books i never wanted a book that she didn't get get for me she was very invested in me uh being like learning and being more uh, I would like to think kind of like a high five all the all my like the people I collaborate with, the people who like give me ideas and inspire me. I always tell them that they inspire me. Sometimes I pretend I don't understand something just to watch them explain it to me because they such. Some people are just so good at explaining stuff. It's kind of lovely. I'm like I'm like you can explain this ten times to me and I'll hear it again because like it's like when you read and then someone just puts something to word. That you didn't know how to do before, and then they do it, and then it just like opens your mind in a way. Yeah, I'm like I'm I'm not going to name anyone, but like anyone or the people who let me use their labs because I'm a poor, illegal researcher, and so many people let me use their labs for collaboration. Those people are the soul of the earth because it is so hard doing research as a young researcher because you have very little, no money. I would like to thank my partners and. My friends for putting up with my temperament. I get a free temperament of sometimes. I'd like to thank anyone who reads what I write because sometimes it can be out of sort and you need to kind of like fill in the words that I forget to put in there. And yeah, all the baristas in my life, they're the sort of there. People who make coffee for you, please be respectful. And when you order coffee, put your phone away, look them in the face, say please, and thank you when you order. Don't order while you're on the phone, because if I see one mad person doing that, I swear to God, I'm going to be mad. Yeah, and um, I think that's everyone. Hopefully, I didn't forget anyone. If I forgot you, hopefully, you get a letter in the mail. Yeah, I've also, I would like to thank all the good people at Queers in Science, because it's a volunteer, it's a thankless job, and people just do it because it's the right thing to do. And I have great admiration for people with values, and people were driven by, not righteousness, but by the desire to do better and to improve the world and themselves. Yeah. And I think that's everyone. I can, I can go on all there, but like, we don't have all that. Cool.
0: <laughs> that was beautiful. And so listeners, we have a lot of high fives to give. And inspired by that, I would like to encourage you to go out and thank your barista, because especially if you've been in Melbourne or Sydney this year, it's been a Very tough job for them. And maybe don't give them a high five because of germs and things.
1: About baristas, this is a really cute story. Okay. Uh, Do you know how I get into coffee in the first place? So when I was quite younger, I saw this gorgeous man. He was just one of the most beautiful people I have seen today. I just loved everything about him. I was so in love. I didn't say that to him, but he's the only reason I ordered a coffee that day. And then when I ordered a coffee, normally I would only before then, I would only have hot chocolates because like I couldn't stand coffee because it's such a strong flavor. And then I was like, I'm going to order like a big person's drink. <laughs> so so I, ordered, I ordered a long black uh, to impress this um, beautiful man. I don't think he was impressed, but... This is between you and I, I don't think like uh, he would listen to this podcast because I don't know what he is or what's his name, but like, this is a fun story to the listeners, something that only a few people actually know about me, so yeah, so that's one for you.
0: That's fantastic, I think. There's so much in there, and we could probably unpack that in a whole other podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. yes, it's, it's fine. It's, uh, yeah.
0: it's opened up the world of coffee. I know there's coffee drinkers listening, so uh high fives to the bristers high fives to the good-looking bristers that help other people uh start their coffee journeys like there's so much there <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show dr taha this has been an absolute pleasure a wide-ranging ramble which is always lovely and it's just been great to hear a bit of your story
1: thank you for having me media you're best
0: thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, please pass it on to someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to support Avid Resets this year, that would be amazing. Uh, you can buy us a coffee. Head to avidresearch.com.au and there'll be a link. Buy me a coffee and you can support us with a one-off little coffee payment. Thanks so much for listening. You're a legend.